0: Grace alone, faith alone, scripture alone. These cornerstone phrases of the Reformation are pillars on which Martin Luther boldly stood. His goal then was for others to know the truth of the gospel, and he understood the importance of vocation, Christians living out their faith in their everyday actions. How the Reformation can still inspire us today on This Action in Ministry. Inspiring you to be the hands. Empowering you to be the feet. Strengthening you to be the heart of Christ for others. Action. Action. Action in ministry. Hi, I'm Rachel Legoutet, and this is Action in Ministry. Just recently, children and many adults alike dressed up, collected candy, and wished their neighbors a friendly happy Halloween. But we'd be leading you astray if we failed to mention a foundational celebration that falls on the very same day, the Reformation. Martin Luther led a charge that changed the course of Christianity forever, and though it happened more than 500 years ago, its impact is lasting. Today we're talking with Professor Eric Herman from Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri, where he teaches church history and is a professor of historical theology. He's the director of the Center for Reformation Research. Eric, it's so great to have you here with us today.
1: Oh, thanks. It's a great, great delight.
0: Well, when I was growing up, I really loved Halloween and I have a brother who is a year older than me and now a pastor and he hated Halloween, but he was always really interested in the Reformation. And so to this very day, my mom will send me a Halloween card and she will send my brother a Reformation card um, every October 31st because it's also Reformation Day and it is a big day and it's worth celebrating. You've obviously studied this and you teach on it. Can you give us a Cliff's Notes version of why it's a day worth celebrating?
1: Sure, yeah, I I sympathize with this uh, conflict between I have kids and uh, they love to go trick or treating. And not too long ago, we had the 500th anniversary of the Reformation and I made them go to church instead and I haven't uh, lived that down. But yeah, so here's the Cliff Notes version. Uh, The Reformation was uh, a movement in the 16th century really to reshape preaching and pastoral care in the church. And it did this through a renewed discovery and a new articulation of the gospel. So, well, what, what is that? Uh, let me just state it kind of clearly for us. So, mm-hmm. for, for the Reformation, and I'm thinking especially of Luther and Lutheranism, but I think this unfolds for, for most of Protestantism. The gospel was namely that God reconciled the fallen world to himself through his son, Jesus. So, through Jesus' death on the cross, all of our sins, all of our brokenness, all of our suffering, everything that enslaves us to a way of life that is self-destructive was crucified with Jesus and was put to death with him. And so God's final judgment, in a sense, occurs already with Jesus so that by his resurrection from the dead and we who are connected to him are justified before God. We, we are right with him and even death can't impede our future with God, so the, the Reformation was a movement that was laser focused on that message and the freedom uh, and peace of conscience that comes from that
0: I think it's been really interesting in, in past years and and over the decades there's been people who have told the story of the Reformation through movie or books or things or stories like that what? where they tell they tell what what Martin Luther did in that time. And there are some pieces of that story that are more common knowledge to the world around us. And then there are more nuanced pieces that maybe, maybe not everyone's had a chance to peek into. Do you have any, any little things that you've found along the way that stand out to you that you're like, man, I wish everyone would would have gotten to see this in the last Luther movie that came out, <laughs> or I wish I could teach everyone this thing about the Reformation that they don't know about. <laughs> Yeah, one thing, fact, no pressure.
1: Yeah, no, no pressure. <laughs> and in fact, I was the, the historical advisor for the, the PBS special on, on Luther. So we had to make choices on which things we were going to put in and which yeah. we were going to leave out. Obviously, the nailing of the theses to the door, is mm-hmm. standing before the emperor. Those are sort of big turning point scenes that yeah. a lot of people know about. Actually, one of them that I find really special Is early on when he was in um, in the city of Augsburg in 1518, he had to. He was uh, standing before one of the the pope's authorities, and at that point, he was he was really quite afraid of what was going to happen to him. And his mentor, his name was Johann von Staupitz, his mentor who basically directed him to the gospel, encouraged him in those early years invited him to come and, and live with him and die with him, he said. In other words, let's just go in retirement. This is too dangerous. Just come with me. And at that point, Luther wasn't sure whether he was going to go with his friend or if he was going to go back to Wittenberg, the university. And the day before he left, he got a letter from the prince of the university, of the territory where he lived, and said, we want you back and we'll protect you. And so he he went back, and in fact, he arrived in Wittenberg on October 31st in 1518, one year after that, and that was a decision for him to to be the reformer, to, uh, to go back and carry on the work of reform no matter what was going to face him. So I think it's a special right. moment uh, that often gets overlooked.
0: It's really interesting to think about. It's a day that we celebrate, and we commemorate, and we remember, and all of those things, but during the time Luther was... He was living in a, amidst a lot of uncertainty of what would happen, and, and you just pointed out maybe even that fear of what would happen to him.
1: Sure. I mean, he was, uh, after 1521, he was um, illegal. <laughs> he was yeah. a wanted man for the rest of his life and couldn't go to, you know, open uh, to certain things. He required protection, and uh, living your entire life and doing your entire ministry under that, that situation must have been taxing.
0: And probably could never have foreseen that here we are 500 years later talking about the work that he did. No,
1: I, I think that's probably right. This would surprise him. <laughs> <me. laughs>
0: well, in Action and Ministry, we like to talk about outreach and putting our faith into action and living it out in the world around us. What do you think the Reformation might have to do with what we call outreach today? That, pro- that wasn't really a term um, sure. that the church used back then, but is there a connection there?
1: Yeah, I do, I do think there is a connection there, and, and maybe if we think about it this way, that, uh, that in the Reformation, since the Reformation is about the gospel, I think, first of all, if we recognize that the gospel is about mm-hmm. outreach, or to put it another way, that this good news is good news precisely because it's, it's universal, because it's mm-hmm. for everyone. And Luther was, was very aware of the idea that the gospel is not a static message. So when, when it grips someone, uh, Luther says it's like as if uh, he actually uses this language, it's like someone threw a stone into the water and causes ripples mm-hmm. and circles and streams around it, and the ripples keep going farther and pushing it farther away. And so in that sense, the gospel, which is you know, God's own word, is, is active and it's in motion. Luther loved to talk about the gospel as moving and doing things. In fact, he said the Reformation wasn't his work. He said, I did nothing. It was the word while I slept or I drank Wittenberg beer. The word reformed the church. The word does everything. Yeah, I think this notion that the word and the gospel is this active moving force um, really is what informs the whole concept of outreach uh, from there on out.
0: When you think about Luther's approach to this type of outreach, as we might call it. He was pretty bold and and a color, had a turn of phrase. He had great uh, use of words. He was a bit of a colorful character at times. How would you describe his approach to taking the stance that he took and doing the teaching that he did throughout his years?
1: Right. I think that one of the things to, to remember is, um, for Luther, what the gospel did for him personally, first of all, was that it It made him free. It made him feel free in his heart. He felt he was sort of in bondage. In fact, he did a play off of his name, Luther, for a while that actually could have been translated as the free one. But for him, the freedom of the gospel allows people to to actually reach out genuinely to others with love. Because your future and salvation is entirely caught up with Christ in the gospel You're actually free to love others for their own sake. You don't have to use people as a way to work out your salvation. And so that concept of freedom really motivated people to actually extend out with radical works of love and charity. You know, I think when we think of outreach, we think of a foreign mission or sending people overseas overseas. And in some sense, you know, Germany didn't do that for at least 100 years. It's a landlocked country. Mm-hmm. And he was really concerned and his his followers were really concerned with people in their own back door. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that's kind of the point. You know, you start there and it, it ripples out and spreads, you know, around the world.
0: Yeah. We've alluded to some of the pushback that Luther might have faced along the way. Um, and also just that it's not always easy when you are bringing the truth of the gospel to the world around you. Sometimes there are roadblocks and hiccups and hard things that you run into. What are some of the things that helped Luther manage those setbacks and the hard things that he faced along the way?
1: Yeah, Luther did face setbacks and um, pushback. Obviously, the, the largest sort of institutional pushback was became a conflicted figure in the church. He was excommunicated, declared a heretic. We talked about how he was Mm -hmm. persecuted for the rest of his life. But I think one of the the often overlooked pushbacks was the experience of frustration, that one's expectations on how effective your efforts to reach people are, that's met with disappointments. Luther would become very frustrated Mm -hmm. with how slowly it seemed that people would change. Actually, and 1530, Luther stopped preaching to his congregation in Wittenberg. He said, I'd rather preach to mad dogs for my preaching shows no effect among you. And it makes me weary. (laughs) Um, Now he, he picked up a couple weeks later and sort of, but you can, you get that sense that um, he just wishes things would move along faster. He has certain expectations. I think there are, are probably a couple of things that, that helped him in those frustrations. One is that earlier point that we said, that the gospel is moving, that it's mm-hmm. in motion. When we think of outreach, we usually think in terms of growth, like the number of people reached, but Luther thought of it primarily as in terms of movement. The gospel had appeared in Germany in his lifetime and brought many to true faith, but if the Germans were ungrateful, then he said the word would move on to another place, like a, like a rainstorm moving from one place to the next. And mm-hmm. And I think the data has has borne out. If you if you just look at where things are now, the momentum and the gravity of Christianity is shifted from Western and Northern hemisphere down to the global South. I mean, in not too long, it, Christianity will be a primarily global Southern religion. It has shifted. Mm-hmm. Moved. And I, I suppose the last thing I'd say along these lines with frustration is that Luther had to keep reminding himself that we are not justified by the fruit of our work, right? Um, It's how effective it seems to be in the present. We're justified by Christ and the full fruits of our work will only be seen on the last day. And so being someone who reaches out with the gospel is first and foremost an act of hope.
0: And he had support from people along the way as well. To help him persevere Mm -hmm. when times got tough, what did that support look like for him?
1: Well, I mentioned earlier that Luther was protected by his prince, so he had sort of financial and political support, which was pretty helpful, uh, Mm -hmm. and kept him safe. I mean, that was um, one of the main differences between him and some other earlier reformers. He had very supportive colleagues, so he didn't do this work by himself. He had people surrounded him, friends and co-workers that worked with him. He was married in 1525, so he was a monk, as, as you all know, but then then stopped being a monk uh, probably about then when you get married. Uh-huh. Um, and <laughs> he was a constant source of support and help along the way. So, you know, obviously the word of God and belief and trust in Jesus Christ, but then all of these other things around him, really created a mm-hmm. context for incredible activity and confidence in his work.
0: Yeah. And so here we sit all of these years, hundreds of years later, <laughs> talking about the Reformation. And we do that because it was a significant event in in the church's history, in the world's history. And it's significant because God was working through him. What are some of the biggest ways that you can point to seeing God work through Martin Luther during the Reformation?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Luther's impact, right? Luther's effect yeah. on people. And I, you know, you can list all sorts of things in, in terms of where uh, the, the history of Luther's work has impacted. I mean, he invented the Christmas tree and nine pin bowling and public education and all sorts of other stuff. But I think that one of the more interesting places to look is to see how he impacted pastoral care among the people in his day. And one of the places mm. to look at this is look at all of the letters he's written. If you read Luther's letters, you get a very different picture where he's he's writing to parents of students, he's writing to people who've lost their a woman who's lost her husband or and he's he's carrying out pastoral care. And if you sit and you read these letters, it's almost like a devotional uh experience to see someone kind of sit over their shoulder and watch them care for others with the gospel. And he's written reams and reams of letters. And you can get some nice translations of this that uh, that are really quite beautiful.
0: Mm. How do you think Luther's approach to bringing the gospel to the people around him applies to us today? What can we learn from him? And how can we use that to inspire us in
1: 2020? In 2020, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, Luther for the for the 21st century. Well, I think... <laughs> I think.
0: That sounds like a new class. It does.
1: I should, I'm going to write that down. (laughs) Write that down. (laughs) No, Luther is, um, I mean, it's interesting. So many people are reading Luther. We're talking about him when they were trying to collect his writings in his lifetime. He objected against it. He thought, this is ridiculous. That the whole point here of the Reformation is to read and understand the word of God. Why would you replace that by reading me? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, any and there's something to that. We can get a little bit too caught up in the person of Luther, who has he's very interesting. He also has a lot of weaknesses too, like all of us. Um, But I think the things that inspire people the most is his confidence in the gospel. That doesn't come easily. It's not like he's just uh, arrogantly bold or something like that. He's terrified most of the time, and Mm -hmm. still does these things because. Um, he has such a great, strong, confident trust in the Word. He lives by, they, of course, lives by faith, as they say, but that also means living by hope. Looking at Luther as as someone who, as, for as bold and confident as he is, is also a, a humble person who s- submits to the Word of God um, and lets lets the gospel do its work. Let's the gospel drive our mission rather than our own ideas. Um, that's that's probably one of the best things one can learn from Luther, uh, even on uh, the 21st century.
0: <laughs> well, I always used to joke that I've I've spent some time learning about Martin Luther in my time, and I used to always joke that if it had been up to me to do the work that he did, I would have I would have run away mm. because it seems so like so much work. And I wonder how you might encourage someone like me or someone else who's thinking the same type of thing to bring out their inner Luther, (laughs) the parts of them that are just dedicated to knowing the scripture and, and speaking that truth to the Mm -hmm. world around them.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm glad you kind of used the phrase inner Luther because it it actually, I'd emphasize that kind of in some sense, the opposite for the inner Luther Luther's idea was that all of our life is defined not by what's going on inside of us, but what has gone on outside of us, what Jesus has done, what God is doing to us and for us in his word, and also what our neighbors need. In other words, what I do in this world is dictated by the needs that my neighbors have that confront me every day. So every day I wake up and I find a new thing to do because of a new neighbor that crosses my path. And in that sense, Our inner Luther is all outside of us. And uh, the more attentive we are to God's word and to the world, the more faithful I think we can be.
0: I love that too, because it means that every day we could be encountering a new neighbor Mm. and uh, loving them with the love that God has given us to love the people in our midst.
1: Precisely. Yes, very good.
0: Eric, I just would love to sit in your classroom at this point. I'm (laughs) like, I want to learn more. I know that you have more to share. Um, And I just think that it would be great. And I, am so grateful that you took the time to join us today and share some of your learnings and your knowledge with us here on action and ministry.
1: it was a lot of fun. Happy reformation day.
0: Happy reformation day to you as well. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God not a result of work, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them." This verse from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8-10 through 10, so clearly reminds us why the Reformation was so pivotal. We can do nothing to earn our salvation. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, and it's through the work of Jesus Christ alone. And just as Martin Luther walked in the works God had prepared for him, we too are called to do the same. How are you walking in the works that God has prepared for you to do? That's Action in Ministry. I'm Rachel Legutte. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Thank you for listening to Action in Ministry. We'd love to hear how you and your church are ministering to your community. To submit ideas for this podcast, visit our website, lhm.org forward slash action and send us an email.